Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another fun-packed, fun-filled episode of Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. It is I, Will, host of the show. I am not alone as we get ready to roll into some stuff about WandaVision. We've got a little bit of news in the beginning, and then we're going to do some WandaVision talk for episodes one and two. So who's with me in this wonderful place today? Introduce yourselves, gentlemen. Well, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and start. It is the the usual boys. It is I, Jingles Roscoe, here with my younger brother. It's mine, Roscoe. The, the Roscoe brothers are here, but we are not alone, Will. Today, uh, we uh, brought the most electrifying man in podcast entertainment. Uh, uh-oh, uh-oh. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's our hidden boss, Josh. What? Hidden boss Josh hey. is in the home? Hey. Okay. Hello. Glad you're here, hey. sir. So we're going to be talking some Juan Division today, first two episodes. Juan uh, and so Juan Division, and uh, but first we got some news things. So I'll start us off. Uh, this is wrestling news. So if you're into the world of the WWE and such, uh, other wrestling organizations and things like that, uh, they just announced officially that Oscar, who is the current Raw Women's Champion. Uh, may not actually be able to defend her belt in time for WrestleMania due to an, 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 what they refer to as an errant kick to the head by one Shayna Baszler. Um, Asuka was trying to get uh, get Nia Jax into a submission move, and then, uh, of course, the Miss Baszler came up and kicked her in the mouth when she did. A t- we saw a tooth fly out with blood. So it's not a work in that regard. And so they're stating that Asuka definitely got a concussion uh, from that kick. So her ability to defend the Raw Championship is in question. The original plan was actually going to be, I I know y'all are super surprised when I say what I'm about to say, Charlotte Flair (laughs) with the title versus Lacey Evans. But then Lacey Evans was found out she was pregnant with her second child. And so she's not even on TV right now because of that. They were doing a whole thing with Ric Flair and her and whatever, blah, either way. But anyway, so that was the original plan going forward is that Charlotte was going to challenge Oscar, get the belt because she needs to win the belt. That young up-and-comer, she needs to win the belt at least once in her career, you know. And, but anyway, so she, you know, was going to go up against Lacey Evans at Mania. That was kind of the plan. There and then with Lacey becoming pregnant, and then Oscar, of course, getting kicked in the mouth by a person who legit did MMA fighting and stuff. And like, she actually even does videos to this day, still talking about MMA practices and procedures. So I'm like, Shayna kicking anybody in the head? I understand, you know, you're supposed to pull your punches and things like that in wrestling, of course. You're supposed to sell the actual act of doing something without doing it. But in fact, she kicked a tooth out of Oscar's head. You know, uh, I'm just saying, maybe we don't let her kick people. Like, I'm sort of starting to think that, like, this tag team they've got together legit can hurt a bunch of people if they aren't really careful. Yeah, I was going to say, accidentally kicked her head in the head. Well, WWE's going to say that. But, of course, you got to realize, Shayna Baszler used to do this for real. That was, like, her career. (laughs) I'm just saying she stands to gain a lot by accidentally (laughs) kicking her in the head. Just like uh, just like that match between uh, Jake the Snake and Macho and Man, Macho Man. 
How I don't macho know what lots of people want to get a hold of Macho Man's Intercontinental Championship. But it's just them in the back yeah, room. Yeah, it's just them in the back room. And Jake's all like, why are you talking like that, Macho Man? But Macho Man never turned it off. That's what's, no. that was what's great about Macho could. Man. I don't think he could. I think that was just him. Um, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm upset because they hurt Asuka. And uh, I don't like that. Uh, I don't yeah. want Asuka to get hurt. I love Asuka. She's great. Yeah. She likes JoJo. Yeah, she likes a lot of different anime and stuff. I mean, she did a whole video on her YouTube thing about her going to a Barnes & Noble and shopping for for manga. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she picked up everything from JoJo to Berserk and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, she likes the good stuff. Uh, you know. Josh, I don't know if we ever told you about this, but there was uh, a match. Uh, I, I think we brought it up one time. Where she was going to fight Charlotte Flair and there was going to be like a big match about it. Um, and she actually took a picture of, of her and Charlotte. And it was literally that panel between Dio and uh, Jotaro. <laughs> and uh, Asuka was all like, uh, I will reject my humanity to defeat Charlotte Flair. <laughs> I'm sure you guys saw it first, but I'm pretty sure I said that to you guys. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> But yes, that's the same, the same Oscar yeah, that yeah. has that has now been concussed, and I'm very upset about that. How? Well, she was willing to reject her humanity. Maybe, maybe we actually got saved from something. Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, they did have a short feud with Alexa Bliss, uh, where Alexa Bliss as quote the female version of the Fiend, because currently Brandy Orton, who's still not in jail, which should prove to anybody on the planet that wrestling. It's a TV show about wrestling, not actually a real thing. Mm-hmm. And nobody supposes that it is real, because if you set a man on fire in the middle of a real, you should be in jail for murder, attempted murder. <laughs> just saying. Man, that's a power move. That is a power move. You know, like, it's not enough just to be like, oh, well, we're in a fire, we're in a fire match where the first person gets set on fire loses. Nope. He set him on fire, he soaked him in gasoline, and set him on fire after the fact that he had already won the match. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Should be in jail. But anyway, <laughs> this was he real. He really needed to solidify his alpha status. That's right. Oh, yeah. Another fun, quick piece of news. Uh, they announced the first person in the class of 2021 for the Hall of Fame. They did say that since last year's Hall of Fame ceremony was canceled, that they are going to be doing two Hall of Fame ceremonies at one time. They're going to be doing the class of 2020. Which includes Batista, uh, I believe JBL, a bunch of other people, mm. um, and then um, and then this year's Hall of Fame will be there. And that's the first person that's going in. Uh, anybody that doesn't already know the answer, would you be interested in knowing who the first person's going in? I do not know who who it is, so please let us know. Molly Holly. Molly Holly. Yep, our Hurricane uh, Shane Helms is actually on the bump. The other day, they were interviewing Molly Holly about the women's evolution and how different it was when she was a wrestler and things like that. And so, they she uh, he came out. He was like, "Hey, I got a feeling my her in my her senses that you're gonna appreciate this announcement." And she's like, "Okay." She had already kind of cried a little bit during the interview, mm-hmm. and he was just like, "So uh, this year, of course, as you know, we're gonna be doing two Hall of Fames. We're gonna be doing the Hall of Fame in class 2020 and the class 2021." And she's like, "Okay." She's like. He's like, you're the first person that's being accepted into the class of 2021. 
Welcome to the Hall of Fame, Molly Holly. We can't wait for you to get your ring. And, like, she kind of was like, oh, my gosh. And, like, it was just, you know, it, it, she seemed like she really got into it. It was really emotional. So, like, whether she knew before they announced it or not, it's irrelevant. Not really there for that. I'm just down because I'm like, look, I love watching Molly Holly do her thing. I love her talking about her faith outside of the ring. I thought that was really cool. Uh, I loved her even talking about, for example, when they were, back in the days, kids, there's a time where the women would get out and, you know, dress in the bikinis and do the different things and all that stuff. And, you know, a lot of things. And sometimes they did more risque uh, pictures in some of the magazines that you could get through WWF slash WWE. Uh, she made a point to ask if she could be modest. You know, even if she's in like a bathing suit, that she could be in a modest bathing suit to cover as much as possible. But there were certain things she just didn't feel like she needed to put up for young girls, mm-hmm. you know, to see. You know, she talked a lot about body image and things like that. And I appreciate the fact that she kind of did that in a world where Trish Stratus and, and Jackie and uh, Jackie Gata even and Ivory. And, all these, and if I'm not mistaken, Ivory is inducting her, by the way. So that's going to be a fun one. Mm. But anyway, they're really good friends in real life, so it's going to be interesting. Sable, for example, another one with, you know, of course, Tori and all them. But uh, yeah, so Ivory's going to be inducting her into the Hall of Fame. So I just thought that was real cool. Mm-hmm. Do you guys ever get a chance to watch much Molly Holly? Did y'all see her in her, through her different phases? You know, um, I have not. As uh, when I was younger, uh, women's wrestling wasn't very interesting to me and honestly um like women's wrestling wasn't really respected for its technical abilities back in the day right. <laughs> uh, women's wrestling was there for young boys young teenage boys to to oogle over the women uh it's not like how it is today and where boy, they have drama and yeah and it's not how it is today <laughs> where you know many female wrestlers are actually really well respected and um are actually like are technically um are are good technical wrestlers and actually have skill in the ring uh and aren't there to just be you know eye candy eye candy so um so as a youngin um i being raised by a single mom uh I was taught to just not objectify women as much as possible. Um, and so I really didn't have any interest in women's wrestling back in the day. I was more interested in what the men were doing because men are cool. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> that's how I was as a, as a youngin. So uh, Molly Holly was not uh, that interesting to me as much as, say, hardcore Holly would be. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting because they did do the whole, they did do the whole, um, they did bring her on initially as uh, Hardcore Holly's cousin, one of the 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 Holly cousins, Mm -hmm. along with Crash. So I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I did love her finisher, you know, whenever she did the little Molly go around, because at first everybody, she was, she talks about that on the episode, about how... Uh, she got her finishing move because initially she was trying to do like a top rope hurricane rata mm-hmm. and she just wasn't quite physically able to land it the way she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said everybody that had the body of like a leader, 
that could pull this off. Right. And uh, but anyway, so she tried to do it, and then she said, "I think Fit Finley came in," and Finn was like, "Wait a minute! Instead of trying to do that this way, why don't you just land it? Like, come up, up over, and land." And she's like, okay, well, I don't have anybody to practice with. And so Fit Finley's like, I'll take it. And so he just, so literally, she does it like one time and hits it. He goes, what do you think? She goes, I think I'll take it. And so that's how she developed the Monaco round as a finisher. So yep. Fit Finley, ladies and gentlemen, Fit took Finley. the first person to ever take that finishing move from Molly Holly. <laughs> or in her real name, Nora Greenwell. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's my bit of uh, news kind of pop culture because, I mean, other than that, I mean, <laughs> the Snyder Cut comes out next week. Yeah, it does. Uh, comes out next Thursday, and then Falcon Winter Soldier starts Friday, so it's yeah, like a big yeah, head-off. Yeah, quick, so, quick. Well, uh, when does Godzilla and Kong come back out? <laughs> Godzilla uh, I can look that up. I don't have the exact date in front of me, but it's going to be a bit. Oh yeah. man! Hey, Godzilla, Godzilla and Kong, Godzilla and Kong. Yeah, I think it's in, I think it's in April sometime. Damn it! For some reason I think he's right. I think it is April. Mm. I don't want to look it up because mm. I wanted to get to my news. <laughs> well, you go ahead and do your news, and I'll look it up while we're while you're doing that. Since we're still talking about wrestling, I will say uh, apparently there is lots of talk of uh, Vinny the Mac. Old Mr. McMahon is uh, considering outlawing thigh slapping, which uh, if, people, if people are familiar with how in wrestling, when somebody does like a super kick or sweet chin oh, music bitch. or whatever, mm -hmm. when they do that, you hear a slap sound. And that's yeah. because the people doing the kick slap their thigh mm -hmm. to make that slap. Sound. Yeah, and it, it makes it like a, loud, sound. A, a nice loud clicking mm -hmm. that really sells the the super kick. Um, apparently, people, ha according to Vince, people have been too obvious with their thigh slapping, and so that distracts from the super kick. And so Vinny is like, "We're gonna see about just taking that out from now on. You're not allowed to do that no more." So. There's I, that silly news. Well, he really needs to just move on to his next host. <laughs> he, needs, <laughs> he needs to just move on. <laughs> I can't wait to see them compensate by wearing uh, tap-dancing shoes in order to make the noise. There you go. I'm sorry, that's great. <laughs> Tippity tap. I can see it now. Shawn Michaels has a moment where he's facing off against somebody. Because, you know, as much as he's retired... You know, he still can super kick somebody at least once. And so all of a sudden, you just hear the, you know, he goes up, charges the thing, and he's like doing a <laughs> He's tuning up the band. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be great. He's like, that's it, I'm done. I'm done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I tried. So we'll see. We'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, on the other side, uh, on the competitors' end, AEW, uh, because they announced when when Paul White went over to the AEW, which was big news, very exciting. 
um, when when he made his debut, um, he made an announcement that there's going to be a Hall of Fame worthy talent that's going to be signing with AEW, and people were uh-huh. people were like, "Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be?" And like there was speculating everywhere. A lot of people thought it was going to be Batista, which I think is hilarious. Uh, but uh, you know, somebody there, there, and and Paul White is all like, "It's not who you think it's going to be." And so, very recently, uh, during a show, they were announcing a bunch of people uh, showing up in AEW. Came onto the stage was none other than Christian. Christian, huh. Christian, another Attitude Era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Edge's old tag team partner. Wow. So now Christian, and he came out and he signed his contract in the middle of the ring. Yeah, like you do. Like you do. Like you do. So now Christian is all elite. Nice. Now we just need to get Edge over there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Good luck. Good luck with that happening while he's trying to win the world championship from Roman Reigns mm-hmm. <laughs> on this day. Nice and clearly. Well, well, I don't yeah. know, guys. You might think that he, you could say that he will stick it out and try and win the championship, but he might just be like. You think you know me. No! No! Recall back! Recall back. Look, I'm going to say this. When Christian appeared at the Rumble this year, I thought to myself, you know, could we get Edge and Christian versus New Day? Could we get Edge and Christian versus, like, the Usos? You know, it, especially with Edge winning, what would have been interesting is if the Usos and Edge and Christian were in a ladder match, say, at Fastlane. So that's the pay-per-view coming up, I think it's next weekend. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you do that as a way of doing something, you know, but you have a TLC match, which is interesting because Christian was an edge, were part of that world that created the TLC match, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you do that, and that's a way to, you know, spark the tag teams if you want to and all this other stuff. But, no, um... They pretty much told Christian after the Rumble, they were just like, we don't have any plans for you, dude. Like, I don't, I'll be honest, I think Vince has had a problem with Christian ever since Christian went to TNA and came back. Mm-hmm. Like, there are people that are petty, and then there's Vince McMahon levels of petty. Yep. You know, I'm just going to put that out there. I, I think a lot of that was just, he didn't want to use him because he felt betrayed because Christian left, and Christian came back. And it was just like, well, I'm never going to get behind you 100% again just because you left the bar. You know, even if, if I kind of believe when he left initially, they didn't have any plans for Christian. Mm-hmm. It was just like, bro, have something for him. Like, because I know you'll hear a lot of stories that even Dean Ambrose talked about before he left with the ACEW about how he would go pitch ideas and Vincent would be like, okay, well, I'm listening to you. I'm writing stuff down. Let me get with the team and see what we can do. And then they would do the dumbest stuff with him that had nothing to do with the stuff he suggested. He'd come back a week later like, hey, I suggested this. Is any of this going to get used? They were just like, oh, we're working on it. We're working it into the character. How are you working it into the character when you've got me doing all this other dumb stuff outside of it? No answer. 
And so he just kept, you know, Vince had an idea in his head. He was going to go with it. And so, I mean, that's the reality of it. Christian contract came back for re-signing or whatever. He just never re-signed a contract. Even though, like I said, the Rumble would have been a perfect chance to launch off a potential where you had Edge and Christian doing some tag team work again. And then with Edge winning, you know, Christian could always kind of play the heavy. You know, if Edge, well, I say play the heavy, I mean, it was ever never Christian's job. I mean, Edge just got always the heavy. But still, in that instance, you could have him kind of play the heavy and reverse the roles a bit. You know, Edge is chasing the championship. I'm going to make sure that nobody gets to him unless they need to get to him type thing. You know, I'm going to watch his back type stuff. So, yeah, apparently Big Show went. Big Show talked to Vince. It was the same thing. But they had nothing for Big Show. He needed more money. They weren't willing to pay him anymore. And he just looked at Vince and said, I got to go find where I can get stuff to take care of my family. And Vince is like, okay, I understand. You know, there's no, you know, he was on an interview, I think, with uh, Renee Paquette. We know her as Renee Young, uh, Dean Ambrose's wife in real life. And he just basically said, there's no ill will. You know, me and Vince walked away and I told him, you know, one of these days I don't mind possibly coming back. But as of right now, I got I to gotta do what I need to do to take care of my family. And this ain't it. You know, if I'm not going to work, if I'm able to work and I'm not going to be able to work because y'all don't have anything for me, and I have to wait until y'all have something for me to do something, then we got a problem. So I kind of feel like sometimes maybe it's just, for all these hours of wrestling, they still seem like they still have too many people to actually use them all. Yeah. It seems like they haven't been treating their legacy workers very well and yep. um they're gonna keep losing them uh if they keep it up they're gonna have to uh, start giving them competitive wages and competitive benefits or yeah. they're not gonna keep uh they're not gonna stay with the company yeah and, and more creative control because i feel like that's another thing too with vince it literally all comes down to vince man yeah That's uh, that's what's going on. So, um, yep, Christian is just another one that is leaving, and uh, or has left and has signed with the rival company, which is mm-hmm. uh, apparently treating people better. So well, I should actually start just, checking out more AEW. Well, I've, I'm starting to do it. Sting's over there now. St- wow, Sting's been over there for a little bit. Obviously. Um, the Revival is there now. Revival. Um, the Young Buck. <laughs> Kenny Omega. Well, JR, I'll put the price of admission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> JR is over there. That's a big deal. Kenny um, Omega Tony Shipp- is such a... Well, anyway... I know we're. Uh, I know we're that's still the, doing news. That's the name I was. I was. Oh no 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 no! Go ahead and talk no, about Kenny Omega. One more. Jingles has another thing to bring up. Oh no. sure sure sure. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho is also over there and has been for a while. And obviously, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose is over there. Um, and there's there's more and more people heading over there. Um, and uh, that's that's a big deal. Brody Lee was there for a while. Brody Lee. And, uh, rest in peace, Brody Lee. Rest in peace, Brody Lee. That was a that's a big deal. Um, but I, I have one more piece of. Uh, uh, of news uh, if we're done talking about AEW 
Yeah. Okay. Um, apparently, uh, Avengers Endgame has been dethroned as the highest grossing uh, film. Wait, what? It has been dethroned by the usurper. The previous highest grossing film of all time. Wait, how did that happen? 18 years after Avatar was released in theaters, they did a special extra run in Chinese theaters. Well, you're... No! (laughs) Which earned them another 20-something, I think, million dollars. Therefore... What could possibly make that much money? Therefore... Pushing it back over the edge. Oh my goodness. Pushing out Avengers Endgame. If they if they right. do something again with Endgame, this is this will be one of the funniest, most petty rivalries I'll ever have known. Uh, you know what it's funny because James Cameron came out was talking about well, the only reason why Avengers Endgame beat us is because they had to come out with a special edition or whatever right before the fourth of July. It's like, bro, you did four of these already. You did he's done at least three or four special re-releases. Before Endgame even came out. How many times can they keep doing it? <laughs> I don't know. Like, like if they if we ever get the sequel to it... And, and you know what's funny is that Disney technically owns the rights to Avatar now. Mm-hmm. Because they got it in the Fox library. So ultimately, Disney's making that money. <laughs> I mean, James Cameron probably ain't making as much off of it as he was. Wins, we lose. Yeah. Yep, the mouse is just sitting there counting billions and billions of dollars and just getting richer and richer. And meanwhile, Song of the South is, you know, still under the vault and Pendle Pew's getting canceled from Space Jams. <laughs> Admittedly, I Had don't... Any updates on that jailbreak? <laughs> I don't disagree when it comes to Pendle Pew. As I've gotten older, the more and more I've been all like, I don't think that's okay. <laughs> no. But you know the sad part about that, just real quick? Hmm. So, you know how Jessica, it kind of goes into another parallel because they also kind of, they also kind of changed up that, uh, uh, Lola Bunny's design mm-hmm. because they were like, oh, well, Lola was just sexualized. She was a sexualized bunny and we don't feel like it works in 2020. So, you know, we're going to make her a strong female role model who is, is, who is the best basketball player in, um, besides LeBron James. And I'm going, did you really watch Space Jams? The Bishop Lola was the best player outside of Michael Jordan in that movie. I mean, I get it. And people are making comparisons to her and Jessica Rabbit. And saying, well, you know, they were just both draw horribly. It wouldn't work today if you rebooted or whatever. And it's like, but here's the difference. I was a teenager at the time when both of those movies came out. Nothing really excited me about Lola Bunny other than I wanted to see what happened with Bugs are. You know, I mean, Lola herself, and I understand there are people out there in the furry community that will say, you know, Lola's what sparked their interest in it, and I've heard those more than I wanted to hear, but I've heard them. Uh, <laughs> but Jessica Rabbit, to me, is just it was just different because she was actually a human cartoon-looking thing, you know what I mean? So, all I'm saying is, well, I understand the need to modify the design, I feel like it all kind of almost sends an opposite message, because it's like, oh, so Lola, when she was sexier, quote-unquote, sexier, she wasn't nearly as good of a ball player. So now that we've redesigned her and made her smaller waisted and made her a smaller bust size, 
now she's going to be the equivalent to LeBron James. I'm like, but she was already the equivalent to Michael Jordan. Yeah. That was her introduction to the, to the world with Space Jam. We didn't have a load of money before that. And I know they did a newer cartoon back, I think, in 2018, and they changed her design then. Now, if you just want to say, you know what? We would prefer the design that was in the 2018 Looney Tunes cartoon. So we took that design and put it in the Space Jam. That would have worked for me. Yeah, but you can't virtue signal when you do that. Not going to argue that point, because you're not wrong. <laughs> because to me, that seems like the smarter option. Just we, we, this, this character was here. She looked like this. We see her here. We took this design and moved it over. We felt like this design's a little bit less problematic. There we go. You know, so yeah, they did that. But the Pimmy the Pew thing, when I was a kid especially... I was like, dude, this isn't the way to treat women. I understand the cat always managed to get painted to look like a skunk. I get that. I don't understand how this cat has that bad of luck every time Pepe Le Pew is around. One. Two, I don't understand why Pepe's constantly chasing after it. It doesn't even smell like a skunk because she's a cat. Um, three, the most important thing, Pepe Le Pew's cartoon character, which means you could write him differently. Which means you can modify the character. I mean, in the original Space Jam movies, I don't remember one time he did anything like that. I don't remember him chasing a cat and anything like that in Space Jam movie. In a lot of the later Looney Tunes stuff, I don't remember him doing a whole lot of that stuff. In the old school Looney Tunes stuff, yes, he was creepy as all get out. But in, in the more recent iterations of him as a character, he was just a French dude who was a skunk. You know, they did the whole little gas mask thing at one point, you know, when the, Mar when the Monstars were doing the basketball and everything, and they all stunk up the court every day for a bit. But I'm like, okay, why not just write him and have a line at the beginning of Space Jam saying, well, there was a time where I did a whole bunch of stuff that was just inappropriate. But now I'm starting to realize that maybe women should just be treated as better than I was treating them. And Bugs didn't say something like, yeah, buddy, it was all times. We understand. Let's move on. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew <laughs> goes, goes out. He's in the middle of Toontown. They set up a podium, and they have the, all the camera crews out there, and he stands up, and he, he, gives, his, uh, he gives his statement. He's all like, back in the day, I was uh, reprehensible. <laughs> but now I have learned the error of my ways. <laughs> so, so is this the point we've reached now? Now cartoon characters have to have press releases? Look, it's better. To me, it's better than what they're doing. Because I'm like, so instead of just rewriting the character to be better, we're just going to get rid of the character. Because he was, there's a scene in the new Space Jam that they cut. It was filmed already. It had to do with him. He was supposedly hitting on one of the human actresses. And she smacks him and she says, no means no, Peppy. And then she kind of looks so he kind of looks at LeBron and LeBron's like, whether they're, whether they're tune or real, if a woman doesn't want to be touched, don't touch her. They had a moment they could have worked it out in the movie. Mm -hmm. But instead, they're just like, oh, well, Peppy is a whole problematic thing. So we're just going to get rid of Peppy completely. Just wipe him off the board. He no longer exists. Pepe La Who? Yeah, exactly. But yet, Song of the South can't get a message at the beginning of the thing to where it's just like, look, there was a time of difference where things were different. The world related to people differently. This is not the current environment. You know, but we just want to let you know that up front. Please look at this from a historical aspect of the time it was written and the time it was presented. Hey, Here it is. 
Huh? Shoutouts to uh, both Dumbo and Peter Pan now having special <laughs> things. Special little... Uh, yeah. So, in the past... <laughs> You know, in the 90s, watching these movies growing up, I never once assumed that this was a accurate and good depiction of people. Yeah. But, you know, now I need to be told that it's wrong. It's this is horrible. Just knowing Apparently. Because apparently you know, none of us are able to think for ourselves. I can't do it. I, I need to be told, am I offended by this? It's like whenever whenever a Nightwish song comes out and I have to turn to Pie Man, Pie Man, is this new or old Nightwish? Can I like it? <laughs> That's a running joke from us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious, man. It, we're going to be okay, guys, but please understand that we got to... Uh, it feels like so much future proofing. So much future proofing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Yep. But let's focus on the important things, like the fact that there's probably going to be a chaos dunk in this movie. Oh yes, please. <laughs> I saw the moment in the Entertainment Weekly thing where like LeBron is holding the ball and it looks like he is channeling Thor and like there's lightning and stuff all around it. And it looks like there's Paris in the background and it's like Bro, LeBron, really, no, you're going to destroy the world. Exactly. <laughs> well, apparently, the main bad guy in this is like Don Cheadle playing a guy who's like a tech expert and like LeBron's quote-unquote son because they're doing the same thing they did in the original Space Jam. Uh, LeBron's family is being portrayed by actors and actresses. Mm-hmm. It's not a real family. So uh, his son is apparently more interested in making games than he is playing them. And so this Don Chino character kidnaps his son to basically try to get him to help make this make these things in the uh, Warnerverse is what they're calling it, I believe. And so they have access to all the old school cartoons. If you see one of the pictures, for example, they have characters from um, Herculoids. They have the penguin in the background. Uh, they have the dune buggy. They have Jabberjaw. The Flintstones are in it. I'm like, first of all, if the Flintstones are in it, it's Warner characters, the Justice League should be there. Why can't the Justice League just play the game? Why do you need the Looney Tunes when you got Superman and Batman on a basketball team? Like, that to me opens up a whole different world that should have been explored instead of, oh, it's LeBron James and the Looney Tunes characters again. Well, if there's Hanna-Barbera characters on the table, where's Johnny Bravo? Where's Johnny Quest? Where's Hodge? problematic? I would I would like to know. Um, it, could you tell me how it is that Johnny Quest could help in a basketball game? I don't know. I just got a random name. Maybe he likes basketball. I don't know if he has game or not. Yeah, there was a Harlem Globetrotters cartoon done by Hanna Barbera. Why aren't the Harlem Globetrotters playing in this league? I, when it comes to Johnny Quest, I don't want like young Johnny Quest. I want old, emaciated, dementia-riddled Johnny Quest from Venture Brothers. There you go. <laughs> I think there you uh, go. I think the main reason why the Harlem Globetrotters wouldn't be in there because uh, those are based on real people, and you'd have to pay them for that. Oh, and not because they're not actual basketball players. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. 
I'm sure that if Warner really wanted to sit there and do that, I'm sure they could sit down and talk with their PR person, and I'm sure they could work something out. Especially in a world where there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of Harlem Globetrotters games going on in the current pandemic situation. I mean, I'm pretty sure money is not an issue for Warner. Um, <laughs> well, you're the one that told me that they're cutting back on everything to save more money. I get that. But I'm just saying, in a game, in a video, in a video game quote environment, in a cartoon movie, where you have people playing basketball against other people that a created character creates, I don't understand why all Harlem Globetrotters would not be the first people you go after if you have access to that world. Um, it's it's a money issue. That's all Fair I'm enough. saying. Fair enough. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I could, I could totally see that being the case. I, I don't, I don't think it's a copyright issue. I think it's a money issue because people have okay. to be compensated. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, Space Jams and uh, LeBron James' New Legacies. Yep, definitely a movie that we 100% needed in our lives. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who asked for it other than LeBron James. But of course, I think just LeBron James. They've been supposedly asking for this for years. So I think the first time it came out was like what back in two thousand fourteen, two thousand twelve. Talking about this for years. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while. It's been very, very on and off. Yep. I ca- I kind of wish they got LeBron's actual family to be in the movie instead of actors. That'd mm. been great. Yeah. You know. Just- I just need a, I just need a moment where Michael Jordan shows up and goes, "Who asked for this?" I'm just curious. And then he just leaves. Like, <laughs> no, he'd stick his head in and be like, "Buy my underwear," and then leave. Yeah, buy Haynes. No, like Haynes in, the, in the, uh, the final quarter, uh, LeBron uh, twists his ankle and he can't play. And then off in a shadowy corner, you see Michael Jordan step out. Yeah. Uh, by the way, funny thought when you when I saw that picture in Entertainment Weekly with LeBron holding the lightning ball, did anybody ever play the video game Michael Jordan in the Windy City? No. Okay, well, I will find the art for it because, yeah, it reminded me a lot of an homage to that in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah, I was going to ask if you played Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Dude, yes. <laughs> no, no, he did. I... So, the one you're thinking about, Will, is Charles Barkley's Shut Up and Jam. What we're oh, talking okay, about yeah. is a spinoff slash sequel game that was fan-made oh, that is a an RPG called Charles Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Oh, okay, sorry. I, you're right. I was thinking of the original. <laughs> and this RPG is uh, is a fan made RPG that uh, follows the story of Space Jam. And it's, the th- it's the, uh, it's supposed to be the sequel. It's supposed to be a sequel to Space Jam, and. What happens at the beginning of the game, and this is what the three of us were thinking about because we're familiar with this game. What the three of us were thinking about when we see LeBron James with a lightning basketball in his hands is at the very beginning of the game, um, Michael Jordan destroys the world using an unbelievably powerful slam dunk that's referred to as the chaos dunk. And it destroys everything. destroys the world and then like basketball becomes illegal after that yeah and And, like all this other like post-apocalypse stuff that comes forward Mm -hmm. wow so 
when we see LeBron James with a lightning basketball, we're like, no, LeBron, don't do the chaos dunk. You'll kill everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, if you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to check it out. It's great. We'll show you yeah, the definitely. we'll show you the game yeah. series that we all watched. Uh, we'll send you a link to it. Yeah, um, I was about to say, send that, send me that because I would love to see it. Yes, um, but yes, it's it's a really goofy fan game. And uh, that's that's kind of the the whole thing is like living life where basketball is illegal because Michael Jordan destroyed the world with a chaos dunk. Yeah. By the way, fun fact: since you mentioned chaos dunk, I did watch the uh, latest edition. Uh, I just I, I say the latest edition. I just watched uh, the Sonic movie yesterday because it's on Hulu. Hooray! And so I watched it. Oh, I gotta say, I enjoyed it. And I'm going to say, while not quite as cute as Grogu, maybe Sonic, pretty cute. He's not horrifying. Yeah. No, not at all. Definitely better looking than the original design for the grown Sonic that we got. Imagine a baby version of the original design. Oh, God, no. No, please not. We lucked out. Yes, to say the least. Can we just say thank you, personal thank you from me, I don't know if anybody else wants to thank him as well. Personal thank you to Tyson Hess for fixing that design for us. Thank yes, you, Tyson. Definitely. And also, so, thank uh, you, thank you, Tyson Hess, for uh, creating uh, Sonic the Hedgehog's Big Fat Adventure, because we appreciate that as well. There you go. Now, uh, I just sent y'all pictures of the comic book that Dark Horse did years ago called Charles Barkley versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Where they faced off in a good old-fashioned basketball game, and in the picture you should see Godzilla is about to lay out a monster dunk himself. Yeah. Oh yeah, the famous panel. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Michael Jordan, Chaos in the Windy City, there where you can see a ball that's on fire and a ball that's shaped in ice. It looks yes. like apparently because oh, yeah, there's there's some cinematography in this. <laughs> Michael Jordan, because Michael Jordan apparently is Captain Planet because he has a power of an element or an avatar. I'm not for sure which. He, he's the perfect yin-yang for basketball. <laughs> there you go. He's cold as ice, but he's always on fire. <laughs> I would like to say, in this picture that you've posted of Godzilla, um, as somebody that, ha- that has a tangential knowledge of basketball, that doesn't look so much like a dunk, so much like a layup. Well, it doesn't matter. It's Godzilla <laughs> with a basketball. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> what matters is Godzilla got busy. Yeah, That's it. What Godzilla, matters, got the hoop, Godzilla got the hoop skills in, son. What, what matters is that Godzilla got game. <laughs> yep. Oh, by the way, speaking of Godzilla, uh, the director was asked a question about some of the different characters that will be involved in Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. And one of the things that he mentioned, he said, there's a famous Denzel Washington quote from a movie. And in that movie, he says, Godzilla, King Kong ain't got on me. We're going to show in this movie, at least as far as basketball is concerned, that the king referenced in that quote that Denzel Washington has nothing on the king. And so I'm going, does that mean that King Kong's going to hoop? Like, like, what? So King Kong, at least, could be in two movies this year. (laughs) Well, the only way they could settle this debate is on the court. You know, but my question is: Do we get Denzel Washington versus King King Kong? 
Like, is that how that works? Uh, it's a lot of speculating that I am uh, unwilling to do today. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, let us get ready. Are we ready for some WandaVision? I think we yeah, have been. something I actually watched. Yeah. So, we're going to get into some WandaVision. Let's do this. All right. So, WandaVision, we're going to go over the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. So, episode one, of course, bear with me just a second, is, and now it's trying to do, okay, sorry, is filmed before a live studio audience. Now, fun fact, the show was actually filmed before a live studio audience in real life. Uh, so, when you hear the reactions and things like that, those aren't piped in, those are actually real people. And so, you know, they had a lot of, I remember Elizabeth Olsen was being interviewed and they talked about the fact that all of the non-disclosure paperwork that people had to sign, as well as testing and all that stuff, like they were super hyper careful to make sure people were for distance far enough, and then also they were making sure they were there. So this is the first episode of WandaVision, basically dealing with, and, and by the way, guys, we're not going to get into like the nuances of the show, because we already, I already recorded episodes for that. Go check those episodes out, where it talks about WandaVision. Um... And I'll make sure before the end of this to give you the exact episode numbers to go check out. Because I actually went over all the episodes and just told you basically what was happening in them. So I want to talk about a few Easter eggs in episode one. So the first one is Vision's tie. So when you see Vision's tie in the black and white, kind of uh, the, kind of the, um, and I'm trying to think of the show, not Mary Tyler Moore, but Dick Van Dyke show uh, era thing. Uh, there's a tie that he wears, and there's a diamond pattern on the tie. Uh, it's the same type of tie he wore in the Marvel series called The Vision, which is done by Tom King with, Arbor, uh, with artist uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walter. Uh, he wore a diamond-shaped tie clip reminiscent of the pattern on his chest. Here, the tie is doing the same thing. So basically, the little design that you see on this tie is borrowed from the Vision comics in Marvel. Then when he's doing his uh, business thing, it talks about the fact that the name of the the name of the workplace is called Computational Services, branch of a major corporation. Vision is slightly confused about the true nature of the work that his company does, but Donovan that as a matter of fact to the point where one of the workers points out the fact that, man, you're so good at this, it's like you're a machine. You know. And there's even the reference uh, early on when he first walks into the kitchen. Where Wanda's just like, oh, look, you know, he says, my wife and her flying saucers. It is, she says, my husband and his indestructible head. Now, if you watched um, the um, Avengers Infinity War, we know his head ain't destructible. It ain't indestructible. But, of course, in her mind, you know, this is an interesting thing because they know, of course, you know, not only did his head get blown apart by Wanda, but then Thanos, we wound time and then pulled the stone out of his head, so... It's an interesting thought there. Uh, and then also we got our first commercial in the series. Uh, so we got the toaster commercial. And the toaster is made by Stark Industries. And then as they put the toast in and everything, uh, when they push the button down, it makes the arc reactor noise that, that Iron Man suit makes. And then in addition to that, there's that little um, the beeping. Starts getting faster and faster near the end of the commercial. And so the lady looks at it, and she's like, what's going on? And then the toast pops out. And that's reminiscent of when Wanda mentioned in um, Age of Ultron that they were in front of the bomb, I believe, for two days. And it, all they saw was a blinking red light. And they thought they were going to die. 
So then the next thing was the Sokovian hello. Um, one of the things that was in that hello was where they went to the, they were doing the dinner party thing. Cause of course in the episode, they didn't have a clue as to why, um, you know, why the date on the, on the deal was so important. But then they end up going to do the, uh, you know, August 23rd and think of this some sort of romantic anniversary. Uh, Vision returns home with Mr. and Mrs. Hart. Wanda thinks she's putting her hands above, up, over the eyes of Vision. And it comes to be Mr. Hart instead. Uh, whenever Vision is trying to clear things up, he actually says, well, it's a Sokovian. It's a traditional greeting of Sokovia, Wanda's home country. And so, you know, by the way, my husband, my wife is from, is from European country. And so it's kind of Vision's way of tying it together to try to explain what's happening. Then we have uh, near the end of the episode when we actually see the pan out at the end. You see Wanda and Vision sitting there. They kiss and they look at the camera. And then all of a sudden it pulls out. And you just see a hand. You see a series of computers. And you see a sword notebook. So for those, anybody who knows anything about it, of course, sword has the, uh, it's like a counterterrorism group for space basically, in the series. They changed the name. The original name was something different. And so, now, basically, they have this S.W.O.R.D. organization. Um, and also, S.W.O.R.D. was referenced in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, because Nick Fury is running a part of, of S.W.O.R.D. in space, basically. So, those are the main kind of Easter eggs that I wanted to kind of go over in this first episode. Any of you guys got anything y'all noticed about it, or anything y'all particularly love about it? hate about it type thing uh about the first episode mm -hmm. i mean are, are we going to just go into general discussion for the episode now well i mean we can i mean because again you know like i said i kind of i kind of just went over this is what happened in the episode without really going into any easter eggs and things like that mm -hmm. okay i was i was just i don't know what the structure that you wanted to do is yeah we just yeah, want to be clear yeah yeah basically that that's the game plan yes sir Okay, well then, um, I really enjoyed the episode. I really like. Um, I can't remember the actress's name, but the the one that was in that '70s show it was really nice to see her again. Oh yeah, in another sitcom. Oh yeah, the the, the mom. Yeah, um, in, in another sitcom environment. I didn't watch a whole lot of that '70s show, but as far as like uh, sitcoms of around that time, I that was probably one that I watched the most. Um, and she was always like a very delightful, unique character. And so seeing her again, it, like I really feel like her being hired on to the role that she was, was very intentional of all well, like you're a lot of Americans are very familiar with this actress in, um, a long running, um, a long running sitcom. In that '70s show, that lasted for a long time—ten years—and so people yeah. were really used to seeing her as a mother-type character. So casting her in this really, I think, was a great idea in in uh, bringing a lot of people that grew up around that time or were familiar. Uh, even I think people that didn't really even watch them that much that '70s show could recognize her because of how big the show was, and so. Um, it really like, I, I think it really just subconsciously makes people feel like, oh, okay, sitcom, you know, 
mm-hmm. classic yeah. sitcom, and where f- you feel that like almost right away because she's another like motherly wife kind of character uh, that she plays, and that's I think it was really smart that they uh, had her kind of be the catalyst of like something's really wrong here by her repeating stop it over and over and over and over to the point where we're all like what's happening what's going on you know like things are not okay like i feel like if there, there's a few actresses in the world that uh i think you could have hired to to essentially do the same thing but i think masterclass um casting as far as as that goes just just so that it all kind of melds together in a very familiar but spooky kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that actress is Deborah, Deborah Jo Rupp. Thank you, Deborah Jo Rupp. Yeah, I, uh, I thought it was a really good um, first couple episodes, too. Um, more so for the whole show in general. I, I really appreciate how different the show kind of was through most of it. Like, it was really nice to see them play around with the genre and, like, do something different rather than just mm-hmm. do a superhero sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, uh, that was something that I I really appreciated. And and I liked the um, the idea of of the, the clever way of, like, showing off the powers that these characters had in that early like season you know or that uh-huh. that that early that first episode and how like you know shows like bewitched and and other things like that around the time would would show off like magic i dream of genie you know would 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 show off magic in in a certain way and uh i was just like that's really clever yeah and, they did a great job of amazing. echoing the limitations of the time mm-hmm. and yeah uh, well I even thought it was funny whenever you had the, uh, the at the very beginning where, you know, Wanda and Vision pull up to the house and she does, marks it as sold, and then he picks her up to walk her over the threshold. He just phases through the door, so she falls down, and of course, you know, he <laughs> opens the door. And the thing that's really cool, too, is even in the theme song, if you listen to the theme songs that are playing for each episode, guys, it's going to tell you a little bit about what's happening. Just keep that in mind as well. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a running theme with these episodes. I think that's really great too. Yep. But um, I, I I really appreciated the the way that everyone was acting. It was very reminiscent of that old style. Um, and uh, just a big shout out to all the actors for just emulating the different eras that they they go through throughout the series. Um, okay. Something that I really liked. All right. Anybody else before we so, move on into the up- I next hated episode? It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why did you hate it? I didn't. I had a great time, Will. <laughs> I had a great time because of uh, how positively in love with classic television the show was. And there are certain times when you feel like people take on either a genre or they take on a, uh, a character or a story and they actually care about it. Mm-hmm. it, we yeah, got the, it sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, you go finish your thought. I was going to say, we got that in the original Iron Man with Jon Favreau, and Jon Favreau is a massive comic book fan, specifically Iron Man, who is his favorite. And we got to feel all of that joy in everything that they were doing. And fortunately, the reason why um, there's so much respect for the characters throughout the entirety of the MCU is because all of the producers are, first of all, they're all accomplished producers in their own right. And they are all huge fans of Marvel. And that was what brought them all together when they all eventually sat down and said, you know, you know, you know what? We don't we don't feel like anybody's doing right by these characters. Mm-hmm. So these top-notch producers said let's just make the cinematic universe and every step along the way was met with i I, even the missteps like thor dark world and a couple other ones Hmm. um i always felt that they were trying to do right by the source material and this one is interesting to me because it feels like they're doing right by a source material that has not been made. And let me specify with that. Okay. What they're doing is that they're being less faithful to Wanda and Vision, which they are, first of all, they are still being faithful, but they are being more faithful to the medium that the story is being told through, through the lens that this is being told through. This is being told through the lens of television, so they are showing you how much they love sitcom television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that's what I was uh, going to address, because I think that what you say really rings true in all these episodes, because something that we'll kind of touch on as we do each episode, I'm sure, because it's a big part of the the show in general mm-hmm. is that each episode is meant to represent a different era of television. And yeah, like it's. I think you're right, Smiter. Like they clearly seem to have a lot of love for the medium, and like each corner of these episodes, like really shows off like the things that made these eras of TV uh, famous and like recognizable. And they do a really good job of replicating that in everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, and what it does is that it helps keep each era consistent to itself because. Just like what Jingles was pointing out about how the powers are expressed, what I wanted to bring up specifically is how it's adorable that when they're doing the 50s era, the specifically invocative of Bewitched, Leave it to Beaver, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, when Wanda is using her powers, you can clearly tell, even though the strings are gone, you can clearly tell that there are objects on strings being bounced around her mm-hmm. yeah and it still carries that sort of old weight to it and same thing with vision when his skin changes there are these two-dimensional superimposed little stars around him and his skin just phases into his into his human skin yeah mm-hmm. they're um 
the special effects definitely reflect the time uh the time that they're meant to evoke mm -hmm. where like mm -hmm. the special effects that they're using now look like they make it look like the effects from back then yeah which i think yeah. is really great mm -hmm. and uh, if i recall correctly this show had a, a bigger special effects budget than endgame didn't it yeah they said yeah definitely they did advise that it was a much bigger budget for this than endgame had so I find that quite interesting, and they definitely showed you that they had it, so they weren't playing yeah. when they said it. So, I want to kind of go, unless anybody else has anything to say about episode one, I do want to kind of go into some Easter eggs for episode two. Go ahead. Okay. So, first things first, we have an animated opening uh, that is very reminiscent of the show Bewitched. Uh, there's a scene, we get our first introduction to Geraldine in that. But also in the background, there are two comic book references that are particularly interesting. The first one uh, is the Boba Milk reference in the sign above uh, Geraldine's head. Because uh, some may or may not know, Boba is basically a sentient cow that was in the Marvel Universe. And it was the midwife who helped deliver Wanda and her brother Pietro. And so then right next to that... Uh, if you look at the picture there, it's right next to it on toward the right. It has Auntie M's. Uh, Kitty Little at last. Auntie, uh, not Auntie M's, but Auntie A's. Uh, which is the first actual reference to Agatha, uh, Agatha Harkness. Uh, in some of the comics, especially, you know, when Agatha was a babysitter for not only, um, not only the, the, the children... Potentially, potentially, we haven't got quite there yet, but we're going to be talking about the children a bit because they show up and they get talked about this episode for the children. Uh, so they, you know, get brought up, but then also it's the fact that uh, she was a babysitter for one Franklin Richards, uh, who was the son of Reed and Sue Richards. So just, you know, kind of an interesting nod there, kind of sort of the Agatha's uh, or comic book origins as well. If then I may ask, um, sure. real quick, are these like official Easter eggs that they've like confirmed, like, yeah, these are we were meant to be? These are Easter eggs that either their director confirmed or that the people behind the scenes confirmed within the last few weeks in the interviews. I see, okay. Yeah. So then the next one is the actual box that is used for the magic show that Wanda brings in at the beginning of the episode. Uh, talks about the fact that the design on there for Vision's Captain of Mysteries, it's the shape, basically, of the Mind Stone. And so that's the thing, of course, that allowed Vision to end up being a, senti a, being a sen sentient synthesoid. And so that's the, basically the Mind Gem and then the energy that radiates out from around it. And so that's something that will show up later for other reasons as we go into more episodes. Wanda, there's a scene where Wanda goes outside. When they go outside, there's a helicopter that shows up. Because this we're still in the black and white era because of Bewitched. You know, Bewitched, I don't think, got technical until years, later, years into the seasons. And so, but anyway, she walks outside to meet Agatha. And when she does, she sees a helicopter, a toy helicopter, but it's colored. In a black and white world, so it's kind of interesting because it's it's a yellow and um, yellow and red helicopter 
with the symbol for sword that we mentioned in the first uh, episode that was in the sword notebook. And somewhere, we don't know where that somewhere is yet, but somewhere basically they were watching the WandaVision show. And so it also kind of reminds, they, they also reference the fact that this is an homage to the movie Pleasantville, which had uh, Tommy McGuire and Reese Witherspoon. Where as stuff was becoming corrupted, uh, stuff that stuff that was basically the uh, the air in Pleasantville. Whenever stuff was pure, it stayed black and white. But whenever something came in from the outside that corrupted it, it became color. And so they referenced to the fact that they had that homage in there as a bit to hint at this helicopter was something that came in from the outside that's messing with her reality. And so then in addition to that, the color scheme is red and yellow like Iron Man suit. And of course, we had the Stark toaster in episode one, and then we got sword. So we've got these things going on, and of course, you know, uh, Wanda has it, and then all of a sudden Agnes shows up, so she got to drop it back into the, into the brushes. We get the second commercial, and the second commercial is about Strucker watches. Of course, if anybody knows anything about Strucker, uh, Strucker, of course, was the person that did the experimentations on her and her brother. Uh, we first meet Baron Wolfgang von Strucker in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. The mid-credit scene, whenever you see the kids in their cages, so to speak. And then we see them again, of course, as we referenced last week's episode, in uh, Age Ultron, when they come for his uh, headquarters. So, Hydra, so Strucker is definitely tied to Hydra. And so it's a Hydra reference in it as well. So this is kind of reference also to the fact that when Wanda was enslaved by him, so this well, enslaved, but they volunteered for it as well. They controlled their time as well because they basically controlled how long they were exposed to certain things. They were exposed to they controlled when they could go out and do things and different things like that. So Strucker controlled their time. Hmm. And then near the end of the episode. Uh, we get the creepy beekeeper. So, basically, this person comes out of a manhole. Uh, Wanda has just found out she's pregnant. Uh, her and Vision are shocked, and all of a sudden they start hearing this noise outside. They show up. Um, there's two possible references there. The first one being that um, the suit that they wore is very reminiscent of the AIM, or Advanced Ideas Mechanics. Which is another organization founded by Baron von Strucker or Hydra. And so that's a reference to that, an intentional reference to that as well. And so those are the basic things. The only other thing I would say outside just me speculating as I'm looking, I was watching it, this isn't official, but um, when you have um, Dottie. Dottie is referenced for the first time. Dottie is a character that, uh, it, that Wanda is told that she's the key to everything in this city. Uh, she's the key to kids. She's the key to, you know, your kids being in good school. She's the key to this. She's the key to that. And Wanda's like, well, just, just not jump ahead. You know, Agnes is just like, you know, you're going to be okay. We first meet Geraldine for real uh, in this episode. And through a lot of different things that go on, there's a moment where Wanda, somebody on the radio is talking to Wanda. And Dottie, for some reason, doesn't know what's going on, and then she cuts her hand, and all of a sudden she's back to acting like the Dottie we've been seeing. Um, 
And so it's kind of an interesting thing there as well. So I will let you guys get on that one as well. I think the thing that I loved with this episode the most was uh, what you were talking about with the uh, helicopter, where the helicopter comes in. It's a black and white show, but this there's this like colored object here that clearly came in from the outside. And something I thought that they did very kind of smoothly near the end of that episode when they transition into the next uh, era of TV where everything is in color. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of neat how we get all this stuff. We start getting these hints that clearly something is wrong or something is up with that. And then you get the beekeeper. And then it's kind of I, th I thought I just thought it was really smart how they uh, transition to color at the end of the episode, not only to signify the next era of tv that they're going to hit in the next episode but also as kind of a subtle way of saying like this is wanda kind of protecting the um fantasy world that she created uh since now it blends in mm -hmm. with everything being colored which I, I just thought that was like a really neat smooth way to transition yeah that makes sense. I mean, that's definitely something I didn't think about it in that way, but that does make a whole lot of sense because, again, you are trying to protect the reality that you're creating in a way. Yeah, and like from from the get go, it seems it seems pretty obvious that like the hints are showing that Wanda created this world somehow. It's just more of a mystery of how at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Did you like that they uh, started to establish that? Uh, Wanda is responsible uh, for this weird world. Um, I don't think at this point they had established that um, it is like a pocket area at this point. Well, no, that's not what I was saying. Just that she is responsible somehow. No, no, no. I, w I wasn't saying you were saying that. I, I'm, I'm oh. just thinking yeah. about how later on they, they established this, but... Um, because I had a thought, but now it's gone. Uh, it wasn't important. <laughs> no. uh, uh, but yeah, um, it, it, I, I like how slowly we're starting to unravel like what it is that happened, who was responsible, which at this point we're like, we're pretty sure that Wanda is responsible for what's going on right now. Um, she may or may not have complete control over everything. Uh, which gets explored more later. And, um, you know, uh, she may be the only one that knows for a fact that something's wrong and mm -hmm. um, that she has the ability to change something that she doesn't, that, or something that, like, conflicts with what she wants, um, which is shown at the very end of the episode when Beekeeper Man shows up. She just with wine's tie, basically like no. <laughs> yeah. She says no. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like that they take the time to establish little things uh over time instead of like everything at once. Um, that's something that I I really liked about that show. It it had people confused, which I don't know it, it what the deal was with everyone else, but I believe for uh Smider, Josh, and I, we were like, ah, okay, mm-hmm, and, like, you know, didn't question too much about, like, what was happening. We'd be like, okay, and we'd get new information, we'd process it, and be like, okay, and then 
get excited for the next episode where we're like, okay, more more info will be released over time. Okay, oh, but cool. you immediately, I was like, this is obviously Mephisto. Yeah, <laughs> clear, <laughs> clear, clearly Mephisto is responsible for this. Or um, those theories, man, I tell you. Man, I want to collect all of them, and then we just, what if just, like, every wrap-up show is just us going all like, how many of these were right, Will? <laughs> oh, that would actually be kind of fun. <laughs> just well, like overall stupid theories. Yeah, I tell you what, I'll make a point to start collaborating, yeah, grabbing that information, and we can do that as well. That'll be that will be fun. And Eric, just discuss uh, our thoughts on them. Did this person show up? No. Did this person? <laughs> no. Was this person? No. <laughs> there, um, there's a subreddit uh, that exists that is specifically dedicated to talking about uh, really dumb Star Wars theories that were proven wrong by later installments of movies and other mm-hmm. things. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's just called r slash Darth Ray. I'm on board. And yeah, it, 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 it's, it's just a subreddit that's just all like, this didn't happen. <laughs> and, you know, just just breaking things down. But you, you guys know me. Well, I, I know at least Smiter and Josh know this for a fact. And I think Will uh, has at least somewhat of an idea. I hate yeah. when people just speculate about things that they don't know anything about. And instead of just waiting for the show to naturally just explain it to you. Mm. slowly like the this show was doing this this show was taking its time and doing bits by bits mm-hmm. and they're they're showing you this is in the first episode they're like this is what is going on right now and then as the episodes go on they explain you know all all the questions that people ask who's responsible for this how is this possible what's going on on the outside world and you know all this everything yeah. But people, people can't help themselves. Uh, just all like, oh man, I, I can't believe that uh, I can't believe that dupe is responsible for everything. Dupe. I can't believe it. Dupe, I love dupe. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's funny because uh, our, our friend Shalmans um, posted a thing on. Uh, in our uh, Discord channel, where it was a picture of like two people arguing, and it's all like, ah, oh, one division. It doesn't make any sense. Ah, oh, it's so confusing. And, and then uh, uh, underneath it is two people, and they just have, they're just like, you know, not angry or anything, and they're uh-huh. just all like, man, Twin Peaks is weird. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is. That's just funny because all I'm thinking is so we're episode two of nine in a mystery TV show. Yeah, there's a few questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As there should be at this point. There's a few questions, and there's supposed to be questions. And I, I just, it's so annoying uh, when there's a thing that like presents a question, and then. Like, you have to wait for the answer. I don't mind that. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I get mad when people are like, well, clearly the answer must be this. And then they, like, you know, they that's a hill. They create the hill, they mm-hmm. build the hill, and they're like, I'm going to die on this hill mm-hmm. instead of waiting for the answers. Mm-hmm. Of right. course, there's been multiple cases of things uh, where the, there's a question that's being built up, 
and there's a plan for an answer, and then because fans guessed what the the answer was going to be, the showrunners changed it at the end. Uh, they, that's happened. That's happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, which is always really annoying to me is when. Fortunately, uh, not in WandaVision. Fortunately, in not other in WandaVision. One Division, they wrapped up everything and they're like, okay, now wait until the answers are revealed. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of the most annoying things to me. Mm-hmm. It One is when fans are like, well, I'm going to solve it before all the answers are there. Or for before, I'm going to solve the puzzle mm-hmm. before all the puzzle pieces have been given to me. Um, and that's annoying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they just, they start getting their own pieces of paper and cutting their own puzzle pieces. Yeah. And they're all like, that's the correct answer. Mm-hmm. And then the rest <laughs> of the puzzle shows up and it doesn't fit what they made. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, clearly uh the people that made the puzzle are wrong um right yeah like i don't i mean i don't mind just idle dumb fun speculation for the sake of fun it's when people expect that to become reality is where i start to have problems with it absolutely Mm -hmm. and i mean we here uh on conversations about dot 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 and the mythos Mm -hmm. podcast we like to have silly speculation Mm -hmm. we did Uh that for monster hunter which we still haven't seen yet Mm -hmm. um (laughs) we 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 were all like this is what's gonna happen and if we're right then we're gonna hate the movie and if we're wrong maybe it's a good movie we don't know yet because we haven't seen it (laughs) we'll probably hate it Uh, but when it's something that's just for fun and we were kind of speculating a little bit we were like hmm i wonder if this but we're not like tony stark's alive yeah (laughs) yeah because like at the same time this show does actually tease out the information uh in like a very good way like they give you hints about like what's coming up next not like far off as to like what the show conclusion is going to be but like there were a few episodes where all three of us here could kind of guess like where they were kind of going with it and we were right for a few episodes and then when things go off the rails we were no longer right right and like that's just them teasing out that information and that's them doing a good job really yeah yeah well, remember that time when Paul Bentley was like, hey, guys, there's going to be this really cool actor that I've never had a chance to work with before. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to work with this actor. It's going to be phenomenal. Y'all are going to love it. And then we just sit there going like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And so we'll leave that for later. But anyway, yep. <laughs> kind of, it feeds to the whole idea of the trolling that would occur, but also the... <laughs> Getting out of just enough information to make you kind of go, so how's this working? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think too, like um, when you look at this show, especially, and I think I appreciate the fact that they did it the way they did it. But the original idea was that they were going to release the first three episodes together, mm-hmm. but they felt like if they reveal, if they put out the third episode. Then it would it would start to answer questions that they didn't want you to have answered yet. So that's when they went back and they were like, "We're just gonna go ahead and do the first two. You know, and also I, I think part of the reason why so many people were trying to speculate super hard like they were has a lot more to do with the fact that people 
have not watched episodic television in a long, long, long time. And so, because in a world where everything's digital, uh, people are used to binging stuff. And, you know, I know we got it with The Mandalorian, but The Mandalorian set up enough stuff to answer enough stuff to get you to the next episode. You weren't wondering what the heck was happening with The Mandalorian a whole lot. Uh, but with WandaVision, they intentionally put in a bunch of mystery elements that you had to kind of sit there and kind of go, so wait, what's happening? You know, at least in my humble opinion. So I feel like that's a lot of things, too. I feel like people haven't watched episodic television in a way that creates a mystery that makes you have to come back to the next episode to try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and personally, I actually kind of like that we got an episodic show now. Uh I think it's just me, but I've never been a fan of like binging things. So, because I get I get burnt out very easily on something mm-hmm. if I have to binge it and there's just too much. Mm-hmm. So it was actually kind of nice being able to sit on episodes as they were coming out. Yeah, kind of makes me wish, for example, I could go back in time and start watching. Oh, I don't know, the Clone War series back when it first started, and then slowly pick up the episodes each week on like did on like the Disney deal or whatever. And just watch it each week instead of trying to go blow through all the seasons so I can understand what the heck's going on. Yeah, because there's also the problem of when you put it out all at once, like, you have to watch the entire thing as fast as you can because you cannot go on the internet without everybody telling you what happens. Right. And with something like Clone Wars, that's impossible because there just aren't enough hours in the day. Right. Years later. <laughs> I'm an old man now. I was trying to watch the show. It didn't work. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, so, Clone Wars was an episodic show before. Um, it's just now all available in one big chunk. And people are now coming back to it after the fact. As a matter of fact, I, I, I believe uh, Josh and I watched the Clone Wars on Netflix before uh disney plus came out ah <laughs> yeah i had to watch it on disney plus yeah yeah be glad you didn't have to rearrange the episodes <laughs> <laughs> but i keep hearing it i keep hearing there's an order so there is and i believe that it is actually like the showrunner's fault that it's all jumbled. yeah they, well when they listed it on netflix they just got the order wrong like mm-hmm. there were episodes that happened later that were happening immediately mm-hmm. so yeah it, it's gonna be interesting and we'll pick this back up next week with the next two episodes of the show um, and so we'll get in there. Uh, I want to make sure people are able to ask their questions and things like that. So that way, you know, if they've got particular questions about things that we can look into and answer during the week, because I'd love to be able to start picking up some fan questions and things like that. However, Jingles, we did get one question in the uh, in you guys' uh, chat in the Mythos. That is correct. Discord group. So could you please read that for us? Of course I can. Uh, surprise, surprise. It's from the super fan girl because she is always willing to give us questions jace um and we appreciate her for that every time so the first question for everybody is uh favorite slash least favorite moment in the two episodes that came out uh and i'll go ahead and go first and i'll say my favorite moment from episode one was um it, it i didn't 
like I liked it from a um, what's the word a conceptual standpoint, and I thought mm-hmm. conceptually it's it's really amazing, but it also creeped me the heck out, and it was the whole stop it sequence. Oh yeah, like, I got you. I was completely unnerved the entire time. You could probably even list that as your least favorite because it unnerved you. Let's be honest. It could be both. Yeah, it can be both. It's both. I respect it very much because from a consensual standpoint and from how well it was executed mm-hmm. and, like, the camera work and, like, you know, it it just being, like, you know, um, uh, Wanda just being all, like, help him. Mm-hmm. And then he did. And then they continue. Like, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, from but, that standpoint, I'm like, dang, that was really good. On the other hand, it unnerved you. On the other hand, I was creeped. I was, like, I was like 85% on the creep factor. <laughs> so it creeped me. Uh, I was, uh, thank goodness I had my adult diapers on at the time. That's right, my big boy diapers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was definitely creepy. I mean, especially when you look at the way she starts off looking at her husband. She said, "Stop it! Stop it!" Like she's doing this for some reason, and then she shifts it, and it's like she's looking at Wanda and going, "Stop it! Stop it!" While she's like laughing and halfway kind of—I don't know if she's really crying so much, but it's like there's something where you can tell she's getting desperate, more desperate as she's saying it. I was like, "This is beautiful and creepy at the same time." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. All right, anybody else? Well, what about uh, episode two? Or did you just... Oh, uh, episode two. Uh, I really liked uh, the animated uh, gumming up thing that happened with Vision. And he, he, he swallowed the gum and then he, he got all goofy. He got all drunkified. Um, and the, the acting with Paul Bettany and everything. Uh, I thought that was really, really clever and uh, really fun. Um, least favorite? It's hard to say because I liked uh, both episodes a whole lot. Um, I have to say, I probably the garden party, and there's just all like, I'm, I'm the queen bee here. Everybody listen to what I say because I'm the queen bee. Buzz, 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 pheromones, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> I'm just like, cool, I hate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Geraldine was there and that made it better. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't like I didn't like the concept of that garden party uh, just because of uh, how I know, like, some people are just super self-important and they are like I'm the head of the neighborhood watch I'm the head of the neighborhood watch I drive a Dodge Stratus <laughs> um, and they're very <laughs> self important Queen Bee is very real for us yes <laughs> and, and so like it's just a, a character type where I'm just all like ooh I want you to burp in your mask yep <laughs> uh <laughs> You know, I, I I want I want you to have your hair in place, and then when you leave the house, one strand just falls to the side, and you yeah. don't notice it until lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, 
it's it's a and, and I'm I mean she was designed for us to not like her anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one yeah. of those things where I've known a lot of people like that in real life, and um, they've they've always been just like insufferable to me. Um, yeah, and uh, they they're always the kind of people where everybody just does what they say because they want to either get on their good graces for some reason, or like um, they they like know somebody who knows somebody that could make life more difficult for them if they don't suck up. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a horrible situation, and it, that's what it makes me think of, and so it makes me mad, and so that's why I didn't like it. But I I I didn't like it be I, I didn't not like it because of the feelings that it gave me. Uh, or I'm sorry, I I thought it was a well done scene, and we we're not supposed to like this character. Uh, we're supposed to find her just completely insufferable and we're all supposed to hope she burps in her mask when she's walking down the street um but uh i didn't like it because of those thoughts that it made me think of Mm -hmm. and and the people that i've had to deal with that's really Um, good so that's really good that that's that's my thinking but as a whole i i like i said the two episodes i like a lot and the show itself i like a lot so um that's why okay I think I'll go next if that's all right with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciate how much Paul Bentley uh, actually committed to the whole idea of kind of a Darren type uh, and the Darren type great reference to Bewitched. Uh, I love the fact that there's a moment in the second episode where you know he 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 he, he could get up and do something, but in order to hear the noise, he's kind of he's kind of cowardly about it. And so, like, her, his magical wife has to be the one to kind of pull the curtains back and see what's going on. I love the fact that, and I mean, they both played into the, the, the sitcom world very well. But I appreciate the fact that here is, when you think about Vision as a character, this guy is supposedly made out, is made out of vibranium. And he's this tough, super, you know, person who's battled, you know, some heroes and villains alike because of the Civil War. But then in this situation, he's like, I, I don't want to get out of bed. You know, I just want to sit here and kind of do this thing, you know, because this stuff's still happening. So I really appreciate him as it. Um, and, you know, as far as that goes, and even to the point where at the end, by the end of the second episode, even with the stuff where he jumped up, I love the fact that they played it kind of as his gears and stuff were gummed up, so he acted very drunk mm-hmm. to the point where, like, he was, you know... He was doing things very much out of character. Like he told everybody, you know, you're gonna, you know, we're gonna fool you because humans are very non-smart when it comes to like illusions and such. And we're gonna do things, and you're gonna think they're real, and they're not. That type of thing. It was just, it was very interesting. But then also, even when you had the first episode where they had the whole trope of the misunderstanding of a date. You know, here's Wanda sitting there going, so. This is an anniversary thing. And then he's like calling her going, I'm really nervous about this, sweetie. We need to make sure this goes off okay. And they're talking, but they're talking about two totally different situations. Because he's now aware it's his boss. She's not aware yet. But he is. And so when he's talking to her, and said, you know, I still get tongue-tied. And of course, she's just like, well, there's no need to take it that seriously. You know, again, not ever asking the question, Wait, get tongue tied. What's happening? What is this? What what's going on? 
to where that, that whole trope is being played out of the whole misunderstanding of a day. Um, the thing I didn't like, I kind of have to go with Dottie. Uh, primarily because when I saw my girl Tiana Parrish in there, I fell in love. Uh, I mean, not in a creepy type of way, but I mean, I'm just sitting there going, I hope this is who I think it is. And kind of find out it's exactly who I thought it was, which is even better. Uh, but, you know, it's just like, you know, she's, she's sitting there, you know, she's talking to Wanda, and she, she kind of says something to the effect of, you know, I don't even know why I'm here for sure. And there's that brief moment where she's trying to figure out her name, and she's like, oh, Geraldine. You know, and her and Wanda are kind of becoming friends, and you kind of hope that that's foreshadowing to something later, to where there's actually a real friendship at a later time, because you're just like, what's going on? Why? Because they really were the two peas in a pod it seemed like, compared to everybody else who was kind of sucked into this world, so to speak. I didn't like Dottie a whole lot either, but I can't go into why I didn't like Dottie yet. Uh, other than, there is that line she says when she cuts her hand. And she comes back and she's like, well, um, you know how to, how did she put it? She says, you know, uh, how do you get blood stained out of a, a white skirt? And she's like, and Wanda's like, how? Do it yourself. And just kind of walks off. I was like, that sounds like the snottiest answer. <laughs> I'm just like, what? Why would you say that? And so, yeah, Dottie, for all the right reasons that I didn't like her, but also because of stuff that we'll talk about later. And so that's why I feel like the, the, the biggest kind of low letdown on things was. Yeah, for the uh, first episode, I I would agree on the uh, the stop it scene. Uh, I I thought that was really great, and I liked um, how it kind of throws you off balance with like something is clearly wrong and like something is clearly up with this whole situation. I thought that was played off really great. Um, <clears throat> I'm having a hard time thinking of like least favorite moments because I don't want to list that as least favorite moment either. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess I'll I guess I'll agree with you on the first episode more or less. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one, uh, <clears throat> uh, I actually I really liked the uh, um, the bee the beekeeper scene mm -hmm. when he's popping up out of the sewer just because it was really leaving me thinking like okay like what is going on like yeah. I, I, I like how weird this is. Mm -hmm. Um, least favorite, uh, I would say the scene in the library when Vision gets gummed up. Uh, hmm. I like the concept, um, of him getting, like, the gum in his system and it makes him all, like, woozy and act drunk and, like, act stupid and funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I did feel like they spent a little bit too long in the library, like, establishing him being goofy, talking with a bunch of characters who aren't really saying any anything of anything importance like yeah after, after a couple minutes i kind of felt like okay i'm kind of ready to move on to the next scene mm -hmm. well i suck because i can't differentiate between the first episode and the second episode i can only tell you what i liked overall between the two of them and what right. i didn't like overall between the two of them i think that's fine uh this is going to feel like kind of like a cheap answer, but 
What I liked about episode one and two, and this is sort of indicative of the rest of the series, but for the case in point of episode one and two, I loved how positively surgical the writing was when it came to setting up the plot and the era and setting the scene for everything else around it. Everything between those two episodes felt so intelligently self-referential of those sitcoms of the era to there's sort of this sort of extra meta joke outside of excuse me the surface level jokes that they were already throwing out for the characters like for example um one of the surface level jokes is like when Agatha shows up and uh, you know she's the nosy neighbor and she's all like uh, hi neighbor and she makes a couple of jokes about like oh things are going to get hot saucer between you and your husband tonight huh and uh, it's just by like her bravado that makes you laugh and that's the joke right the other extra layer that I see throughout both episodes is the setting itself and the entire thing is so uh, tongue-in-cheek that the entire set the entire plot of the first two episodes bleeds with this air of uh, hey you know what we're talking about right you guys remember these you guys know the dick van dyke show you guys know bewitch you guys know about these (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they don't need those references explicit. And then when they finally do become explicit, they're only served to enrich the plot that was already there in episodes one and two. And I think that was just an amazing... Episode one and two are an amazing testament of how to show reverence for something that that laid the groundwork for the sort of story that you can tell now. Mm-hmm. And I think that is just so incredible about how much care they just had for everything about that. Um, to the casting and to the set design, the wardrobe, everything about it felt felt like they knew so much about that era that we could have had this show during that time like remove Mm -hmm. all the other extra elements that you know show us that this isn't real and that something's off which by the way is a whole nother brilliant narrative layer to add to this we still kind of we still could have had this back in the day. I feel just with right. how well they were able to emulate emulate those shows with care, and mm-hmm. I think that's so cool, and I think that's so respectful. Mm-hmm. That being said, some elements I feel like are done to a fault. 
I I understand laugh track. I understand performing in front of a live studio audience. And I appreciate the effort to do it in front of a live studio audience. It's probably my least favorite thing to hear when I'm actually sitting there and I'm watching it. I think, okay. I think the reason for that is because you're too used to shows that rely too heavily on I, that. Exactly. And like, and I, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. Right. I Because... They did that because of how much they love those old shows. Right, and the old shows would do that. And the old shows would do that. And I think that's brilliant. This is one of those things, just like how you were talking about with that dinner scene. Mm -hmm. This is a thing that I think is brilliant. I think that it's a tactical use of your personal knowledge and your personal experience to enrich this narrative. I'm annoyed by hell out of it, though. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, I mean, and that is only my pedantic personal journey coming into play of right. saying that, like, uh, I, I don't want to hear the laugh train anymore. And luckily, yeah, I, uh, I agree. Like, on the one hand, I feel like the laugh track was used very well in this show because of, like, everything that they're setting up and because yeah. of the era of TV they want to do. Yeah. But yeah, I also am not a big fan of laugh yeah. tracks in general either. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to encourage you, brother, because the question here is favorite and least favorite. Yeah. It's not what you think is the best or the worst part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so least favorite is the laugh tracks. Yeah. And that's, that's because, and I'm with Josh as well yeah. and you like, there's been one show in particular mm -hmm. that, like, when you remove the laugh track, and the the meme is take out the laugh track, and the show becomes kind of an existential, like, horror show. <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of becomes Garfield without Garfield. Yeah, yeah. it becomes weird. Yeah, uh, and like, to me, if you have if you're if you're making jokes and yeah, you know you you if you, if you have a live studio audience that's laughing at your jokes. Mm -hmm. That's good. If you take out those the laugh mm -hmm. and you like just listen to the jokes on their own, yeah, and they don't make you laugh, it's when it's like, okay, that's actually really unsettling. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. It, it makes you realize like, okay, so this show is mainly relying on the 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 laugh track telling the audience now is when you laugh mm -hmm. this is the joke now you laugh here yeah regardless if the joke is funny or not yeah and yeah. you know we've we've experienced shows that are like you know hey this is where you laugh now laugh mm -hmm. and and you know when you take out the laugh track and when you're not told when to laugh yeah then you'll realize which jokes are actually funny and which ones are not right and, yeah, right. that, that's a very common uh, sitcom tactic that was used for like decades. Yeah, like, right. that, that was a big thing with just oh. the genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and well, I mean, Big Bang Theory kind of suffers that. And I think we talked about that during the Big Bang episode, where we were talking about the fact that, you know, Big Bang Theory, without a laugh track at all, uh, there are a lot of moments where the jokes are just super, like, you almost feel like the jokes are almost overhead just by virtue of what they're talking about. Yeah, like the, the there isn't a joke. The joke is Sheldon is saying Nintendo GameCube. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he just ain't the word. <laughs> Nintendo That's GameCube. An actual, that is an actual line in the show. Yep. Now, I remember um, when uh, uh, the guys got robbed and they were uh, talking to the police... Yeah. And, and Sheldon is all like, yeah, they took everything. They took our Xbox, they took our PlayStation 2, their PlayStation 3, our PlayStation 4, our GameCube. Mm-hmm. Our, and it was like, cool, you're really funny. Yeah, and I, what I would say is the saving grace for um, WandaVision is, like what Josh was pointing out, is yeah. that like, you know, it more or less works. And the reason why it works is because the jokes are actually pretty funny. Well, that's one. Yeah, yeah. And, and two, I think yeah. um, it's because it's uh, it's really supposed to be emulating that yeah. Uh, yeah. you know style. Yeah. It also doesn't. I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that it also doesn't overstay its welcome because it's only for like those specific eras of TV before they stop. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was funny is that as the show went along, before the names of each era like were revealed. Mm-hmm. We we all we actually had a fun time just going to like I think this is this show now yeah I think it's become this show now um there's one in particular we'll address in a future episode or whenever we cover the rest of it that I really got me yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. Well, um, I thought it was interesting too for example whenever doing around doing kind of the press junkets and they talked about they grabbed a group of people that were in different sitcoms over the decades and one of the people was your little white. And I asked you, little white, well, are we going to get a Family Matters reference? He says, technically, yes, but the moment's not going to look like anything that's going to normally be there. Like, it's not an obvious rip to, to this show, but trust me, there's a line that will be said that my character in the show said a lot. <laughs> and that'll be referenced in the episode, in, in one of the episodes. The line, of course, everybody knows is, my name is Stefan. <laughs> yeah, Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel. <laughs> but uh, I would, uh, I, what I, like, uh, back to, uh, like, still sort of giving credit where credit's due. WandaVision does do uh, the, the, the 50s humor and the 50s laugh track. Right. Because they're also that's also done as a meta joke, right? It'd be all like, "How funny was that back then? Like, yeah. how weird was that?" Mm-hmm. Um, but I it, would like. But to be always, fair, always hmm? to be fair, there's a lot of uh, there. There's surprisingly a decent amount of like shows from the '50s and '60s that are still funny. Oh, terrific, yeah. terrific shows! Yeah, but uh, classics for a reason. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and uh, but I will say, I can always appreciate a show that doesn't need a laugh track to cue me in when to laugh. Yeah. I just know to laugh when Charlie is at that cork board <laughs> and saying and talking to us about Pepe Silvia. Yeah. And how much like oh it, it just all leads back to Pepe Silvia. Yeah. You laugh yeah. at a joke that's funny and you don't laugh at jokes that are not funny. Right. I laugh at a joke where a guy falls on the ground after getting hit by the trash man and yeah. his trash can, and he's gouting out from his neck. Don't make fun of Rickety Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> he's had a hard enough life. <laughs> he's had a hard life. <laughs> oh, you got me! Oh, you got me! <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. Uh, one other thing, I, I'm not really sure just where to fit in, since it's not really about the episode specifically, sure. but uh, 
the thing that I really loved with this show, I think above all else, is the fact that um, uh, it like there were a lot of those sitcommy moments in that meta sort of way that you talk about Smiter that really hit me close to home because when I was younger, I spent a lot of time watching sitcoms. So totally get it. Had TV. So like, oh, there was so much like recognizable stuff from that medium that mm. was just like, oh man, I remember watching shows like this growing up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that uh, the showrunners uh, were completely aware of and that they wanted to sort of give back to people like you, Josh, who, uh, who had seen all those shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, the way you guys watched um, like the Marvel animated shows when you were younger, like I was watching sitcoms like that for like a good number of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's rad. That is rad. Well, there you go, Will. Yep. Uh, I was going to say the other thing I was going to mention. They did do, if you guys are interested as well, they did do a documentary that released this past Friday uh, called Assembled. So obviously what's happened is whenever these shows get done, uh, they're doing like these documentaries behind the scenes. And there was a really cute moment with uh, Deborah Joe where um, she was talking about the hat that she wore in episode one. And she was saying that, she was like, well, uh, there was this moment where they had hats on the table. And she said, at first she was, she, she, she felt like she was just like, can I ask to wear the hat? And they were like, well, that's why we've got them out there, silly. If you want to wear the hat, grab the hat. And it's like, okay, are you sure? She's like, yeah. And of course they're like, and of course it's funny because at first they're like, you know, I just don't want to upset anybody or anything. And Elizabeth Olsen kind of turns around. She goes, do you know who you are? Who do want to you? Like, she's just coming back like, like, no, you're good. Get the hat. Mm-hmm. So she's just laughing about the fact that they let her choose the hat that she wanted. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was really cute. And I'm talking about different things, even down to, like, the special effects. Josh, you talked about when they did that transition from being black and white to color. They talked about the fact that initially, like, they went in with, like, a purple. Like, basically, everything that was colored on Vision's body was done in one color. And then what they did was they digitally colored him. That's why he looked a little bit less bright by the time you get to the next, in that episode than he does by the time you get to the next episode. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of vibranium shine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, so that's kind of where they were, you know, that's kind of where that went through. So I really think it's really cool that we're getting a chance to kind of deep dive into this a little bit more, you know, going a couple of episodes at a time. And by the way, guys, just so you're aware, if you're going, well, one of those episodes where he kind of talks about the basics of what happens in the episodes, episodes 111 and episodes 121. Now, I did not go over episode nine because I figure when we get to episode nine, that's going to be its own episode. We're going to we're going to talk about it. So I didn't figure to go over episode nine would be kind of fair, especially since we were going over the other ones in groups. So I just figured we'll go over episode nine as one big chunk and do it as one thing. So that's kind of why I didn't do a solo episode on nine. So um, this is it. Thank you so much for wrap, walking through the first two episodes of WandaVision with us. We'll be back next week oh, to walk through the next two. Yes. We, Tina had one more question. Oh, I didn't see it. Go ahead. She asked, which character do you think had the most development? 
overall throughout the development. beginning end or oh, just no. the first two episodes? I think it's just for the first two episodes. I, I, I don't know. Should we save that for later? Or what? I think we could save that for later. I just wanted yeah, to make sure it, I, that um, yeah. we mentioned that the question was asked. Yeah. Um, so I think what we'll do, Tina, on that one, just so we're speaking with you directly, we don't want to disengage that question. We're going to come back to it, but we're going to wait till we get through the show. We'll kind of, in episode nine, when we're talking about everything, we're going to talk about that across the board for the whole show. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that way we're not, you know, running the risk of possibly spoiling into things for other episodes. So that's kind of where I feel like that's going to be the best way. So we're going to answer your question. Don't worry. If for some reason we somehow forget, which I don't think I will, but if we somehow forget, Please, you have my right to come on the show the following week and yell at me. And I will totally sit here and take it like a big man. And I will just say that, yep, you're right. I didn't answer your question. I'm sorry. I'll answer for you now while you're on the air, though. <laughs> and so, you know, there it is. So, guys, thank you for joining me for another fun-filled, fun-packed episode of Conversations about dot, dot, dot. Yeah, any, any uh, besides Plug and Mythos podcast, of course, uh, where else can we find you guys? Well, uh, Smider and I, uh, we have our YouTube channel, Shingles Roscoe. Uh, we are most active right now on Twitch, where we are streaming uh, all of the Metal Gear Solid games. We're currently on the final Metal Gear Solid game, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Um, and we are getting through that slowly but surely. Um, and after that, we're going to move on to other game series that we really love. And so that's where we are currently. I'm also on Twitter, barely use it. Um, and But it's it's there as Jingles Roscoe as well. Um, cool. Yep. I don't believe uh, Smiter or Josh are particularly active online. So aside from that, there's the uh, Mythos yeah. Uh, podcast. Yeah. Mythos right. podcast and the local library. Which one? I don't know. Your any, local any, library. Any <laughs> a local future, library. Any any fun future episodes of Mythos we should be looking for down the pipe? Absolutely. Yep. Alright. <laughs> yep. I'm I'm editing one right now that's really great. It's really funny. And when I'm done editing, I will upload it. Cool. Alright, fair enough. And I just you know, you know me, I ask and it's like I, I, we joke around sometimes it's just like why is it Will gets the sneak preak or whatever? It's just like, well, because he asked what we're talking about. <laughs> well, because you're nice. I try. I try. It's not always possible, but I do try. So thank you guys for rocking with me. And thank you. More importantly, thank you guys listening for rocking with us here on Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. We greatly appreciate you. And above else, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be blessed to somebody, guys. Take care. <laughs>